What's up, everybody? What's happening? Welcome to Kingdom versus Culture. This is our DYA Destiny Young Adult podcast. We're so excited to be kicking this off. What you got to say to the people, babe? Now I'm just excited. This is going to be a. Uh, this is our first time. And I feel like we got some, we got a good topic, and so I'm looking forward to you know getting into some good stuff. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just looking forward to it. Yes, so we are your hosts. This is Pastor Jay, and I am his wife, Alicia Greer. So we're going to get into it. Uh, to kick off our discussion, we want to start off with a, a little icebreaker. So we got a couple of our young adults here on the chat. I'm going to go ahead and bring them in right now. We got Miss Carson, and we got Dominic. What's up? Hey. What's happening? <laughs> All right, so to kick off our little conversation, I have a question. You know, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and I want to know, what is the MVP of Thanksgiving food? Macaroni and cheese. Thank you. Thank you. Boom. That's Boom. it. We don't even he needs to hear no more submissions. Boom. Anybody talking <laughs> about no mac and cheese? Whatever, whatever's the best protein. Of the moment, either <laughs> prime rib or uh, prime rib. Where you live? <laughs> first of all, how do y'all skip over ham? First of all, like you don't, you don't even. When's the last time you had Thanksgiving without ham and turkey? First of all, well, like how you skip that? Like everything Thanksgiving starts with the ham and turkey. You feel me? There. When I think of ham, I think of it on Christmas. I mean, now, Christmas. No. I can add eating good. I don't know. No. <laughs> Rib, ham. Right. You got to have ham for Thanksgiving. Wait, is, it ham? is ham Thanksgiving or? I mean, yeah. some people do it for Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's, it's we, turkey and ham. I mean, we get it because you asked for it. You do smoke turkey. You know what I'm saying? Smoke turkey. Okay. And then you need, and then, and then, okay, you got the smoke turkey. You feel me? And then you got the ham. I'm and then before, before you, now, before you get to the mac and cheese, then you got to get to, the uh, then you got to get to the uh, sweet potatoes. You know what I'm saying? You got to get to you got to get to the sweet potatoes. The sweet potatoes are a contender, but it's ma- mac and cheese hands down. I'm sorry. And then Dominic over here talking about protein. See, nobody's thinking about protein or carbs yeah. or anything on Thanksgiving. You got to meat about the taste. Nah, you, know? you need. Meat. You answered it like a fitness person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm answering from a taste bud standpoint. I mean, you know, if you're vegan, yeah, mac and cheese. Well. You can make there we go. I mean, but for me, it's just protein. It's all about the protein. Yeah, I feel it. Now, for me, I, I'm 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 lactose intolerant, so I don't rock with the cheese. So that's that's why I'm hating. So he basically doesn't have a Thanksgiving. Wow, <laughs> disrespectful. <laughs> this you keep your mac and cheese. I be I be slamming my yams, my turkey, pie, my, my, you know what I'm saying, my ham. Rice and gravy. You know what? Get you a lactate pill. Some stuffy. And go ahead and scoop that <laughs> macaroni and cheese and let it sit next to them right. And then go ahead and live your best life. But it's no, macaroni and cheese. That's, that's, not what we're, that's not what we're doing over here. No, no, no. no. Yeah, he would be throwing up. Yeah, but he's missing out. I do know he's missing out. Well, I mean, out, out of the both seasons for Thanksgiving and Christmas, I make uh, eggnog. Eggnog from scratch. Oh, wow. Okay. You make it for Thanksgiving, too? Generally, yeah. Depending wow. on who I'm cooking it for or if I'm who I'm with. If I'm with a crowd of people that I know, then I'll make some eggnog. Man, you from the suburbs, man. It's what I was talking about. You, you, you from the suburbs. <laughs> 
That's impressive, though. He said he makes it from scratch, so I'm not mad at that. I don't drink eggnog either, so so. Nah, no, I don't. But I don't do <laughs> trying to give you your props that you make it from scratch. Yeah, that's that's, that's, cool. that's dope, though. That's dope. But is it the MVP though? Huh? Absolutely. Not. But is it the MVP of Thanksgiving? It, my eggnog, yeah, for my family, yeah. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I, yeah, he's there for me. My MVP. All right, so well, y'all that are watching the replay, tell us what you think the MVP the of meat. Thanksgiving is. Nah, the nah, men nah, nah. said the meat, so that's what we go with. <laughs> that's what it is. All right, well, thanks, y'all, for participating in our little icebreaker. We're going to get the main chat started. And so for those of you who are watching for the first time, well, I guess everybody's watching for the first time because this is our first one. We've got this box set up over here for all of our young adults. So as we are having our little discussion, if you feel like you want to jump in, we will bring you right back onto the screen and then you can be part of the discussion as well because we want this to be interactive. We want this to be something where everybody can engage and participate. What she said. <laughs> All right, so we're going to kick this off. Today's topic is cancel culture. But before we even get there, I want my husband to kind of talk to you guys real quick about why we even named this kingdom versus culture. Like, babe, in your words, <clears throat> what does that mean? Yeah, so it's our approach to evaluate, looking at and evaluating uh, what we experience culturally and examining it or looking at it through the lens of the kingdom. I mean, because we or we're in this, it's almost like we're in the world, but not of the world. It's, it's you know, we're a part of the kingdom of heaven um, as believers, but we also live, you know, in this world and we're connected to a culture and we're a part of a culture. And so we're influenced by it. Um, and so I think that it's important for us to look at, you know, how we, what are, what are we experiencing culturally? Um, how are we uh, moving and interacting within the culture? How are we being influenced by it? And then compare that to how we should be influenced by those things, how we should be in interacting with those things um, when you when you look at it from a, uh, the lens of the kingdom. So uh, what I what I, I wanted to kind of just give my definition of kind of how I look at the kingdom. Um, so I just wrote something. I'll read it real quick just to keep it, you know, keep it concise. I, I said that I define culture <clears throat> by the influences of a community or communities. Um, the kingdom also has a community and influences. The primary community members of the kingdom are the, are the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior become citizens of this kingdom and its culture. And so the culture of the kingdom is established by the Father and expressed through and by Jesus. So that's simply saying that we, the, the culture that we are as believers um, is established by the Father, by God. And so we should be looking at what does the culture of heaven represent? What is its message? Um, we can see that through the life and message of Jesus and then compare that to the culture that we live in physically. And hopefully we can find the right kind of balance. And the last thing I'll say, it, it's not it's not to dismiss our culture. right? I think that sometimes, you know, we you know, we, we can get to the habit of um, looking at things that are that we are connected to physically or naturally or, you know, things that are part of our culture. And we can just, you know, completely dismiss it um, or shun it. But it's not that because we, the things that we experience culturally are real, like they're tangible and it's not all bad. But I think that we just want to make sure that we're not um, being impacted by the negative aspects of, of the culture. Um, make sure that it's, you know, really in line with, you know, how God wants us to shake and move according to the kingdom of God. So. Absolutely. All right. So with That's that it. being said, we're going to get into our topic. So today's topic 
within kingdom versus culture is cancel culture. So we're going to be talking about cancel culture versus kingdom culture. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's start with a basic working definition. So I went to Wikipedia and Wikipedia defines cancel culture this way. It says cancel culture or call out culture is a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles online, on social media, in the real world or both. The, uh, those who are subject to this ostracism are said to be canceled. And I'm going to give you one more definition. This one is from dictionary.com. And it says, cancel culture refers to the popular practice of withdrawing support for canceling public figures and companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. Cancel culture is generally discussed as being performed on social media in the form of group shaming. All right, so we're gonna get into this uh, a little bit. So first of all, I'm curious, like what do you think is the goal of cancel culture? <laughs> Is there a goal? And what do you think? Is yeah, I think primarily the goal is to, I guess, use the power that we feel we have, the power of our voice, the power of our support um, to send a message to somebody or some people or entity um, that we disapprove of what they're doing. You know what I mean? So I think that's 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 the heart of it. You know, if somebody uh, if we disagree with what somebody's doing, you know, the message that they're presenting or, you know, an, an act, you know, we want to wield the power that we have, you know. And so whether it's through our money, through our support, you know, or through, you know, publicly, you know, ex our public expression, we want to, you know, wield our power to uh, voice our displeasure. For some people, the goal, you know, um, is just to, you know, maybe knock them a little bit. For other people, the goal might be like, I want you to be, you know, I want you to be shut down. You know, I want you to be ostracized or something like that. And so, you know, you can kind of, you know, it varies from person to person and situation to situation. But the, the I think the heart of it is like, we disapprove of what you did, you know, what you're doing. And we want to, you know, I have power, my voice has power. Um, and so I want to use that power to, to let you know how I feel. And, you know, for you to feel how I feel and possibly, you know, get you out of, get you up out of here. See, and that's very interesting because you use the word um, to voice disapproval or the phrase to voice disapproval. And so if we're talking about cancel culture versus kingdom culture, mm -hmm. for me as a kingdom woman, I question whether that is uh, biblical because while I do believe that voicing disapproval is a part of kingdom culture, that is never an end goal. Yeah, that's good. I think like, that, yes, that's, that's a good, the end goal concept is a good is a good one because the one way I look at it is what's the, the motive? Yeah. Like what, what's yeah. the ultimate motive? Because I think once we, once you start asking that question and start unraveling that question, then you get to, you know, evaluating what, we, what are we really doing here? And I think there's two things. There's the concept of balance, which we, we don't do well with, and the concept of being aware uh, and accountable for our, for our actions and the intentions of our actions. Because like, if we are a part of an angry mob and the mob is just, you know, we, we hate you, this is what you did, you, you whatever, whatever. There's nobody holding you accountable. Who, who's holding the angry mob accountable? Like, who's holding you accountable to say, why are you doing this? And so, but I think as kingdom believers, we're always supposed to be introspective because <clears throat> that's the thing. Like God is always looking at, at the heart. That's good. One of these definitions that I read out said, 
um, you know, that it, it's withdrawing with, uh, support after someone has done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. And so uh, another question that hits my mind is objectionable or offensive according to who? Yeah. Like who is calling the shots of cancel culture? Yeah. And you said some interesting things just now. You talked about um, the mob, the angry mob, which mm -hmm. um, kind of sounds like there's this term and now I'm drawing a blank. Oh, the court of public opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's basically like the the sum of public opinion is the who. Would you, mm -hmm. would you agree with oh, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, that brings me to a quote that I found online. So I looked on Urban Dictionary. You know, anybody can like just go on Urban Dictionary and put their own two cents on there. So I looked up culture, uh, cancel culture on Urban Dictionary and user Nichols SA said that it's a modern internet phenomenon where a person is ejected from influencer fame by questionable actions. Okay, that part matches. Now he says this, it's caused by a critical mass of people who are quick to judge and slow to question. It's commonly caused by an accusation, whether that accusation has merit or not. It's the direct result of ignorance of people caused by communication technology outpacing the growth in available knowledge of a person. I like that. I think that's a that's a highly critical yeah. view of cancel culture. I think there are people who will probably be in favor of cancel culture and people who are critical of it. So this user would definitely be highly critical of cancel culture. Mm -hmm. I think some of the things that he said, though, match what you said uh, as far as like, a, like an angry mob is like, this the who, and it's like, is that fair? Like, is it fair for the masses to be the judges of, of things? And is that kingdom? And then, like you said, who's holding the mob or the, the crowd accountable? Um, because in this user's opinion, there is no accountability. Um, it's like people can run with a story, whether it's true or not. And I think we've all seen that that's happened. I think with memes and things like that, people are quick to repost something before even fully doing the research. So people will repost something, be mad, have no context, don't have the full information. But now um, an opinion, a public opinion is formulating without like proper due diligence. And so it does raise a question of who holds the crowd accountable because it can have devastating consequences. People can lose their job. They can take hits to their reputation. I think companies can fire them. Sometimes I think not even necessarily because the company disagrees, but maybe the company's like, I just don't want this problem on my hands. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of influence there and wherever there is influence, there is responsibility. So I do think we have to ask ourselves, how do we hold ourselves accountable? Yeah, I think that's the thing because I feel like what's supposed to separate us as believers is we are accountable to something higher than ourselves as people and to our concepts of morality, ethics, and all those types of things. We're supposed to be influencing the world um, and not the other way around, so. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we got uh, Miss Carson that wants to hop in on the discussion. So what do you have to share with us, Carson? Pastor Jay's last line hit what I wanted to say. Like, um, I feel like culture has really infiltrated into our kingdom lives. As kingdom citizens, it seems that we're really, really moved. And I'm saying we as a collective, not you know necessarily us, um, by what's popular. And so cancel culture is extremely popular. It's like, there's no, um, there's no reason to be accountable 
when everything is popular. So there's even like, even in, in church, there's specific leaders who are being canceled all the time. Like, why is that the goal of us to cancel them when we should be trying to restore? Um, right. So it's like, because it's popular now to just be like, oh, someone did something wrong, canceled. Oh, somebody said something wrong, canceled. Oh, you said this five years ago, canceled. And, you know, I was thinking myself, like, there are things that were actually acceptable years ago that wouldn't be acceptable today. And it wasn't like things that I've said or done, like as a kid or as a teenager, that it wasn't even intended to be, oh, I can move my words tonight. We are struggling with our words. <laughs> oh my God. Like uh, controversial? Yeah, like it wasn't supposed to be that way, but now it would be. We should really think about that and not be so quick to cancel people because there's some stuff that's in our own closets that we don't want to come out. And if they did, we'd be canceled, you know? <laughs> That part, like, that is something that I have been thinking about. By the way, y'all, as we talk about kingdom culture, let's talk about parent culture. (laughs) Parent culture is you in the middle of a broadcast and your baby start crying and somebody gets up. So everybody say what's up to Zion, our son. Yeah, so I'm good. That's he wasn't what I about that babysitting life. <laughs> well, thank you, Carter. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree with you. Give me a summary. I missed it. Sound like it was good. She was talking about how piggybacking off of what you said, we let ourselves be influenced by culture. And then she also said, like, basically all of us could be canceled. Uh, truth be told. And that's another thing right, that I that's... wanted to kind of get into because it's like, at what point, like, what is it, on what basis are people being canceled, right? Yeah. Like, because are we being, are we canceling people because they said something right. offensive? Or like, what about all the thoughts that people think mm-hmm. <laughs> that they don't tweet? Like, are you canceled just because you tweeted it? Or are you canceled because you thought it? Right. Yeah, I just think at what point, like, are we just being deeply hypocritical? And I know for me, like, I, I guess I personally don't feel comfortable canceling people because it's like, if, if I get to a point where I say someone can be canceled, on what grounds do I have to say that I shouldn't, I don't deserve to be canceled? Yeah. Like, like what kind of standard? And you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, I think I think it's easy to get into hypocritical ground um, really easily, uh, really easily when we do that. And it yeah. looks like uh, Dominic got something to say. So I'm about to uh, bring him on in. What's up, Dominic? So people are always influenced by a majority of people, you know, it's just the only difference is now is that we're getting information in real time almost. I mean, it may not be exactly real time, but it's very close to real time. So people are getting the chance to react to certain things a lot quicker. And based on how media works is to inform everyone. Or when you have like newspapers, you got social media, and you have like news and newscasts, stuff like that. So um, a lot of it is that everybody sees it at one time. Right. On that, people feel that they have a level of influence because they because of the fact that they made uh, people react. Absolutely. I think that's a really interesting concept, uh, thinking about how uh, social media maybe gives people a sense of power, like a different kind of influence. And maybe that's what kind of motivates them to cancel people because it's like they get this rush of like, oh, something I say can can has a potential to go vi- viral now. And I do think that's something that maybe we should check ourselves about. Like, is this me power tripping because I have the ability now to mm-hmm. bring somebody down, whereas maybe decades ago, I wouldn't have had that. Thank you, Dom. I appreciate those, com- those comments. I think that's 
Very true. Now, we've been kind of bringing up points that are, I guess I would say, critical of cancel culture. Um, but I want to talk about, is there anything about cult cancel culture that is, is good? Um, and then in the end, I kind of want to close with like a, like our biblical kind of um, summary. Oh, yeah. yeah, I want to oh, oh, I want to answer that question before I do. I want to just quickly double back because I, I didn't oh, get a okay. chance to say something I wanted to say sure. about the accountability point. If we're talking about being accountable, we have to start looking at why we are so quick and willing to be in the judge seat. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, I don't, I'm hesitant to be in that judge seat. Like, we want the gavel so bad. We want to slam that gavel. And when we're, when we're talking about cancel culture, like, this is this is judgment. This is because we're talking about absolutes. We're talking about something absolute, something something permanent. And so when you when you're talking about something absolute and permanent, that's a judgment. And so you you want to slam that gavel. And I think that we uh, 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 we we have to be careful with that because we want to make sure we're being fair. Accountability um, cares about doing better. You know what I mean? Like kind of be like, okay, I I, I want you to be. I, I you know I I want to talk with you. I want to figure this thing out because I want you to be better. But Cancel culture is more about consequences. Like, I want you to pay. I want to punish you, right, for what you've done, for how you offended me, for what you, whatever, whatever. And I think that's the difference between accountability and judgment. And I think that's where we want to be careful because G Jesus himself wasn't about that. Like when he when he was walking the earth, he wasn't he wasn't all about consequence. I think the perfect analogy, and I'll say this quickly. The people were ready to throw their stones as women had been caught red-handed um, doing something that not only was against just a law, but it was against, at the time, God's law, um, which was, you know, the law of Moses. And so uh, when they brought them to Jesus, brought her to Jesus, they were like, you know, ready to stone her. Jesus was like, nah, put the stones down because, you know, who are you? Because if I was judging you, you would be stoned too. But the, the thing about it is that Jesus also did something key. He, after he, after everybody walked away, he said, listen, I'm not here to judge you or I'm not here to cancel you. But then he still held her accountable and said, now go and sin no more. You see what I'm saying? And that was, that was the goal. The goal was, Hey, listen, I don't want, I don't want you to be canceled. I don't want you to be, I don't want, I don't want an, an absolute consequent or punishment, but I do want you to be accountable to be better. You see what I'm saying? And so I feel like that's that's the concept of redemption. Like that's God and Jesus. They're always about redeeming uh, and always believe that we can be redeemed, even the worst of us. Like, I think that's the key, because I think that we feel like people have, you know, done something so wrong, so offensive that they deserve um, to be canceled. They deserve this judgment. But that's the thing. If God was judging us, we would deserve some absolute judgment as well. And so if we if we remove that concept of deserve out of there and we're just like, yo, I feel like I want people to be redeemed. I, I want you to be better, right? Um, and so that's what we should look at as far as accountability, looking at how is there a possibility for redemption? There's a possibility to hold them accountable. And it gets tricky because, you know, social media, uh, it removes the individual, you know, um, aspect to it. Jesus was able to talk to that woman in individualness right. and, and I'm going to hold you accountable to a higher standard now. So we don't have that ability through social media. And that's why we should be careful because if, if we, if we don't have the ability to hold somebody actually accountable, then we simply just become an angry voice in, in the, in the mob. Anyway, that's just the point I want to make about accountability, not being so quick to have the gavel on our hands, um, not being so quick to, to have, to desire absolute punishment, because if we are going to 
call ourselves judge, the question becomes who's judging the judge? Who's who's saying we're being fair or not? And do you really want that smoke? Um, the Bible says, <clears throat> judge not or you be judged. So if you're going to call yourself People a judge. People don't like that scripture. Every time right. I bring up that scripture, somebody gets triggered. They, they don't like, want ah, that. They we're don't supposed want to that. judge. Right. <laughs> we're supposed to judge the church. Right. I'm glad you said that because, you know, Jesus does tell us that we're not supposed to um, have the final say about people. That's what that means when he was like, judge not. We're not supposed to have the final say. And people love to try and like act like, oh, yes, yeah, so we're supposed to do. We're, what we're supposed to do is hold people accountable. And we are supposed to judge right and wrong, but we're not supposed to judge people's souls and, and have like a final say about them. God gets the final say. That's why scripture says um, that God has given all judgment over to the son, not because we're not supposed to be evaluating or discerning things along the way or observing somebody's fruit. Of course we are. Of course we're supposed to judge right and wrong. Of course we're supposed to teach. Of course, sometimes we're supposed to rebuke, but we're not ever supposed to have the final say. That's why I even like that scripture where it talks about the wheat and the tares growing together, like mm. let them grow together. Because if you try to cut them down, if you try to cut the tares down too early, then you might mistake a, a wheat for a tear and you might prematurely uh, tear someone down. Yeah. That's the word. And so it says, let them grow up together. And then in the end, the harvesters will come. So that's not our job to have that final say. Yes, there is a, a minor, I guess, judgment we do of right and wrong wrong, but we're never supposed to have the judgment of the, of, um, the final say about people. And that's that on that. Uh, (laughs) All right. So I did want to get into a question. I I also want to highlight something else you said about redemption, because I think that is the, the, the crux of cancel culture is that it's not redemptive, but is there anything about cancel culture that I guess is biblical and is it possible for someone to critique cancel culture from a wrong motive, like because they don't want accountability? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think the first question is: um, Is there any good to cancel culture? I think absolutely. I, I think there's a lo- there there are some good intentions in there, um, which is to root out wrong. I think that's a good. Um, motive and a good perspective, um, because one thing I think we've seen in the last, I would say, five to 10 years um, as social media has gone on the rise is there is very little that can hide now. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that were done in the dark that, you know, when people didn't have the easy ability to, you know, bring things to the light on a public scale um, and have people be held accountable. So I think, like you said, I think the flip side is we, we want to hold people accountable who, especially people who have power, you know, people who have power, they have, you know, in times past, they've had the ability to avoid consequence. They've had the ability to, you know, kind of sidestep, um, uh, criticism and accountability in different ways where they had control over media or they had control over people who were, you know, who had voices and, you know, and people were afraid of things like that, afraid of losing your job or afraid of being, you know, um, a blacklisted or things like that. So, but long story, but the point is that I think now there are things being brought to the light um, and through, you know, through, through the same concept of cancel culture, which is, you know, hey, we've, we see that you've done something wrong and now we collectively want to let you know that, you know, uh, you know, we, we're not rocking with you. And so I think there are, there have been some, some good things that have, I, I do think there's good in there and there are some good intentions in there for sure. Yeah. You know, and the reason I asked that question is because when I was doing some research for this episode, I was looking online and I saw that there were some, there's like this, this other contingent of people who 
they don't like cancel culture because it's kind of like the the hyper free speech people. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like they kind of don't like, for instance, like when people have a problem like or, or call something racist, it's like they get mad, like, well, that's free, free speech. And so it did give me the question, like, is it possible to dislike cancel culture for the wrong reasons? And I, I think yeah. so. I think sometimes people don't like the idea, especially in our, our country. Man, we that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other kingdom versus culture, like kingdom culture versus American culture. But that's yeah. a, we won't yeah. even get into that. Oh. But because as Americans, we're so um, used to this concept of free speech, I think sometimes it's like we don't like um, I don't know. We don't like to be held accountable. We don't like the idea that there's consequence to what we say. Yeah. Um, and there may not be legal consequences, but I do think there are spiritual consequences if you're a kingdom citizen. And so um, it is important um, to to uphold righteousness. And uh, that does mean calling out wrong and calling out evil. But the key is not for that to be the end goal, like yeah. calling out is should never be the end goal, but for the purpose of redeem of redemption and seeing someone kind of um, change how they're shaking and moving and do things in a more righteous way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree. So should we get into now um, kind of like bringing it home? Like yeah. if cancel culture isn't the answer, then what is? I think the key is balance in all things. That's like, balance is one of my favorite words. Um, um, it's balance because we want to hold people accountable. We want to have a voice in, in developing a collective voice for those who might be oppressed, those who might not have the opportunity to have any kind of, you know, powers in our society um, to, to, to take a stand for or to, you know, to, to call light, to call attention to something. So I think those things are important, um, but I think the key is balance and having our motives rooted in the kingdom. Here's what I want to say. I think as we look to balance, I think it's always important to look at what are the aspects of any cultural type of influence? What are the roots of it? Um, and what are the things we I need to be mindful of? So it's like, how can I be a part of this kind of movement or this kind of thing while I'm aware of the negative aspects of it so that I make sure I don't fall into those negative aspects of it. So here's something that I, I want to just point to, um, and I'll read a little bit just to make sure I kind of stay 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 focused. Um, but there are a couple things that I think that where this cancel culture comes from that are kind of the roots. And so I think it's rooted in things like judge being judgmental, um, unforgiving, um, being irrational, irrationality, impulsiveness. I think that's where a lot of um, some of these snap judgment, especially if somebody does something that offends a part of who we are, um, we can get angry. And if we get angry, we can get emotional. And that can cause irrationality. Um, I, I see a lot of that, but we are called to be balanced and sober-minded. But there's two things I really want to drive home that I think is really, really important. Um, and that is what's also rooted in this on someone of a deeper level is lack of empathy um, and, a and a devaluing of people. If you want to begin to truly understand the Father, it starts with his love for humanity. God loves people, even the worst of us, he loves us. The whole reason we are still here is because God wants to give all of us a chance for redemption. 
God loves us. He loves his people so much. But I believe we are entering dangerous territory of our value for people. I think two main reasons are the advancement of digital interaction. Because so many things are, are replacing human interaction, it adds a level of disconnect between people. It allows for opportunities to see a person as a screen name or an icon instead of a person. So think about how many times you've jumped on social media and you've said something, you know, mean or harsh or rude that you probably wouldn't say to their face or especially, you know, maybe something, maybe in your car, um, you know, driving, you see something, you see somebody, you say something, uh, maybe you're on a forum or something like that. But there's so many aspects of our culture that allows for, for to, us to be disconnected in our interaction with people. And I feel like that over time, um, that causes us to uh, have, you know, a less, see people just a little bit less than human because we're disconnected from them. So, so I said that um, the advancement of digital interaction, so many things that replace human interaction as disconnect. It allows for opportunity to see us as a screen name and less of a person. It's easier to be inhumane from a distance. When we are consistently inhumane, it becomes part of our culture. And I feel mm. like that's a part of this cancer culture because we're willing to be inhumane. They deserve, you know, they, they, they deserve to be they, they don't deserve no more opportunities. Um, and that's inhumane in a lot of ways um, because there's no forgiveness, there's no redemption there. And imagine if, if that happened to us. So, but we, because, you know, we're disconnected from these people um, is one part. Here's the other thing too. The other issue why we devalue people is because we've been hurt by people so much. Uh, I call it PTSD. We, we're, we're traumatized by people. And so because we're traumatized by people, it's easier to just say, you know what, you know, I don't care what happens to this person because we're just, dis we're just going people. And, and I feel like it's even seeking into our personal lives because we're, we're quick to cancel people now, individuals, you know, you've been hanging, you've been knowing this person for so long. You have a friend, you have associates and they do something that, that bothers you and you're quick to just cut them off. You see what I'm saying? Like we see that this whole concept of I'll cut you off. I'll cut you off. Why? Why is that? It's because we have less of a value for people. I feel like because we interact with so many people now, we have more opportunity to be hurt by people. So because we're we kind of have we're kind of traumatized by people, and so we're easy to be like, you know, I don't even bother. I don't care. But what happens to you? I'm over you. You can be gone. I'll just be here by myself because I'm tired of people. And so I think that those two things um, are really causing us to devalue people and, and, and in an alarming way. And so I think what God wants us to do is tap into his love for people, his love for humanity. Um, and I think let that drive us more than our um, our disconnect because of social media and other things and because we've been impacted negatively by people in so many different ways. Um, but God said he wants us to love even the worst of us, even the, even the times we make the worst decisions. And so I think we, we don't want to fall into that trap because I think the world is going in that route. We want to be the ones to show the love of God towards people and let that come out. It doesn't mean we stop holding people accountable. It doesn't mean we call we don't call right from wrong, yeah. but but we should care about the lives of people. That going back to that analogy of the woman who was caught in adultery, they didn't care that that was a person. They were just like she 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 committed this sin. She should die. But God's like, no, no, this, this is a person. This is a person's life. And we shouldn't be willing to throw it away so easily. So I think that that's what we want to be. Um, that's that's what we're going to be careful of. Our lack of empathy um, and our, our devaluing of people. We don't want to allow those aspects of the culture of this world to, to influence us and to be a part of how we uh, how we act and interact with people. Mm, that is so good, babe. Like. Oh, I just received that. I hope everyone listening receives that too, because that's so, so key that 
um, the in, inhumane component that I do think is kind of growing in a lot of us and we need to like nip that in the bud. And I just want to give, um, give us this scripture as we get ready to, to close. And it's Galatians 6, 1, which says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently but watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. And I think for so many reasons, that scripture really addresses cancel culture well. Why? Because it says if someone is caught in a sin, so A, that differentiates the standard from just whatever bothers you. There's a difference between what might bother us or rub us the wrong way and something that's a sin, A. And then it also says who live by the spirit. So we're not the end all be all. We're not the, the judge, jury, and executioner. We're living by the spirit. So we're coming in submission to something greater. And then we restore. So it's not we're going and calling out. Yeah. We're going and restoring. And not just restoring, but it said, I love that it says, do it gently. Like, what if you were at your worst? Would you want to be like brought down and humiliated in front of like hundreds of thousands or millions of people? No, I think you people will want to be treated gently. And then it closes by saying, watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. That speaks to humility. And I think a lot of times when we are in this cancel culture mindset, we're approaching people with self-righteousness um, as opposed to um, addressing people with humility, like people who, who are just as capable of making a mistake ourselves. That's great, that's cool. All right. Thank you guys so much for tapping into the Kingdom versus Culture podcast with the Destiny Young Adults. We would love for you to stay in touch with us. We're going to be doing this once a month. So make sure that you subscribe so that you stay in the loop. If you are part of Destiny Young Adults, join the conversation next time. We would love to have you and keep the discussion going. And if you are watching this and you're not part of a church home and you'd be interested in Destiny Christian Fellowship or Destiny Young Adults specifically, hit us up. You can email us at dya at destinybayarea.org. See you next time. Peace.